Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Thank you for joining me today on this episode entitled Father's Rights. Imagine being 18 years of age the father of two children, and you were subject to a court order for child support. Imagine being 18 years of age, being subject to the Office of Child Support Enforcement, District of Attorney Enforcers, who present you a document for you to review and make a decision whether or not you want to pay the amount written for child support. Now imagine that without legal counsel, lack of knowledge of law, and fearful through their acts of intimidation that you're going to face imprisonment or be held in contempt of court, you are told that you really have no other alternative, or at least you're led to feel that you do not. I want you to further imagine that you were in this courthouse with several other individuals representing an office of child support enforcement, which is a division of the district attorney's office, which in turn also has quote unquote state agents who are state employees acting not in furtherance of your best interest, but that of the child to whom they say you owe child support. And then imagine this, that at some point, You are told that you're going to sign this, but you're unemployed. And so then you understand that this is minimum wage, but you don't have that salary. Your protestation, despite saying that you just do not have this money and you are currently unemployed, that that becomes the order of the court for child support. Now I want you to imagine with so many men in the United States experience who suffer from being indigent, both black, white, and Latino, particularly minorities, that you find yourself trying to find a way now to pay the child support based on an order of child support. And guess what? You may find yourself engaged in an unrelated criminal act. Because at 18, a father of two, presumably yours, but no DNA test ever to prove it, just the child support order saying you owe, no legitimation, just a child support order saying you owe, no rights to visitation, just a child support order stating you owe, no legal custody, just a child support order stating you owe. Sounds like the best interest of the state there not the best interest of families or children. Because if those were variables that were considered, then you would be, as the state, interested in more than getting child support. During those very same coercive proceedings, you would be immediately moving to grant 
legal rights to fathers. Give them the right to be more than just a paycheck. Give them a right to be an intricate part of the decisions in their lives of their children. Give them the opportunity to engage in parenting time and visitation. Equal parenting. Isn't dad you provide why parents, mother, supervise? You then provide and improvise why the mothers are the ones that are recognized as having all of the legal rights, and you're denied an opportunity to legalize, to be able to have custody, visitation, parenting plan, to be able to make decisions regarding that child's health, education, future employment opportunities if they're teenagers, their maintenance, their overall support. Imagine all of that weighing on the shoulders of an 18-year-old kid who by the time he's 19 has engaged in a criminal act, and now you are facing a 20-year prison term. But it doesn't stop there. Because during the time that you're paying your debt to society, in the corners throughout the United States, in many jurisdictions, Georgia being one, you, while you are serving your debt to society, you are also accruing a debt for outstanding child support based on that initial court order. Now imagine you've now served 15 years in prison and on the very day that you believe you're going to be released, that's 365 days, times 15 years of serving your debt to society. No, you didn't murder anybody. That's part of the Georgia's Pine Box prison sentence. Most don't even make it out alive. But you're going young enough, and maybe, just maybe, you will. And in this regard, and in this matter, you did. And so on the day that you're scheduled to be released, your family are awaiting you. Your children are there. Your parents are there. And you go through a gate and you have a sigh of relief as you finally get to see for the first time real daylight. Not the daylight that fools you because you know you have to come back on the inside. But you get a glimpse of freedom. And then Two gentlemen approach you, and they call you by your full legal name, Mr. John Doe. And you know then that there's something wrong. Because, see, for those 15 years, you had never been Mr. Anything, all but that. You're nothing more than a number or known by your street name if you have one or the name that the correction officers will come up with if they have one, or by any other name but Mr. John Doe. And so you realize at that moment and in that moment that there's something peculiar that is happening. And as those men get closer to you, they call your name again, and then they present you with a warrant for your arrest. And you know that you hadn't engaged in any other acts of criminality other than what you've currently served your sentence for. 
and you know that there should be no other outstanding warrants against you, but they take you into custody, and you never make it through that second gate. And so all you were given was a glimpse of freedom, just enough to glean it, but that's it. And so as they wish you off, you don't get to see your family. No one knows what's happening to you. No one's able to give them any answers because you don't have any. So you're placed in the squad car and you're traveled across the state. And then you're placed in a holding facility in a county jail. And while there, you are now incarcerated with individuals who are being charged with murder, armed robbery, aggravated assault, and no one has differentiated you from any of the rest of them. Mugshot is taken. It's put on the website. And anyone who sees the photo can look into your eyes and they see the pain, the suffering, the brokenness, and the lack of understanding for what just happened to you. Luther Vandross had a song many years ago that said, if you ever had a heart, and anyone who had a heart who would see that photo knew in that moment this person's been broken. And so to look at the photo and that act would be an act that is so unconscionable. And so you are called upon to act. And in that moment you do, and you're able to find out through the request of their family, what has transpired. Only now, and it's 72 hours later, three days later, and you find out that this individual has been subject to arrest on an outstanding warrant, not for murder, kidnapping, no, child support. Not cruelty to children, not child molestation, child support. See, during their 15-year incarceration, they were accruing a debt. And that debt that had to be paid was purportedly to the mother of the child who's living with their family and being provided for anyway. But the system is still running the bill because enforcement doesn't have the money to pay. So the enforcement office and the court issue an order that demands almost $40,000 in outstanding child support to be paid for someone who during the time of their incarceration was engaged in slave labor, working for the prison system through the privatization of the prison industrial complex or through the prison labor complex if it's a public facility for free. So you don't have any income, none whatsoever. And so where you have cases like staffing, where in Georgia it says you're there because you chose to be there. Most individuals who are arrested between the ages of 17 to 25 years of age are generally arrested in an effort to secure income right, wrong, or indifferent, the majority of them who are trying to attain this income have children, right, wrong, or indifferent. 
Many of them are subject to child support orders based on minimum wage. When the courts and child support enforcement and state agencies know and have reason to know that they're not employed at all. So for you to pull this number out of the invisible sky and say, I know that you're not working. I know that you're not employed. I know that at this stage of your life, you probably have no means of securing an income. You're barely 20, barely out of high school at 18, 19. But you're going to need to do whatever you need to do in an effort to meet minimum wage. But that's the income I'm going to give to you. Doesn't make sense. And part of the brokenness in a system like this is the welfare to nowhere program, where it is really about a state interest of not protecting the interests of families, not for fathers to be responsible, but rather to remove the role of government from being able to provide any forms of assistance. So to do that, we put you on child support orders, mandatory. To do that, Regardless of what your life circumstances are, we want the child support because we don't want them getting welfare benefits. And true, where you make these responsibilities, you ought to be accountable and responsible. But the state also should carry a burden. And that burden includes but is not limited to the state being responsible for what it deems income and one's ability to attain an income. And if I'm unemployed, you should not be in a stead where you can automatically say, I'm making minimum wage and hold me to that standard and allow for child support to be accrued and then an arrearage and then subject me to a warrant. Moreover, if I've been incarcerated for 15 years, I surely do not have the income or the resources in many regards to pay. So what you say you're doing to rebuild families is a lie. What you're saying you're doing to instill value systems and morals is a lie because this individual who now becomes subject to rearrest has another record. And so when a future employer sees that, well, you were arrested within the first 30 days that you got home, they don't necessarily know that it had anything to do with child support, and they won't care to look. We say that the system in this country operates on three strikes and you're out. That's not true. 70 million Americans have criminal records, one in three, and in some households, as many as two to three in one household. What is even more egregious than that is the fact that many of them have cases that end up being dismissed, but that arrest record just sits there. And while we use terms like expungement, restrictions, sealing of records, the majority of individuals in America work in three sectors, education, criminal justice, and health care. Majority of those individuals, those are the three areas, for them and for most of Americans, health care, education, and criminal justice. All three of those areas or entities of employment do not honor a ban the box. They do not honor sealed, restricted, or expunged records. What if we had in this country the same protocol that is made available to individuals who have derogatory credit, where within seven to 10 years, it's automatically, automatically, automatically under the Fair Credit Reporting Act deleted, regardless of how bad your credit was. A total fresh start, a new beginning. You can be this 18-year-old 
serve your debt to society, and that arrest and or conviction will follow you the rest of your life until you die. Father's rights. When we say to non-custodial parents, mostly fathers, who are incarcerated and are indigent, that you must continue to pay child support while enduring your incarceration, even though we know and have reason to know that you are incarcerated and you have no income opportunities and that you are not generating any other income, we still require and mandate that you pay child support. And there are some jurisdictions around the country that have allowed for modifications, but the reality for even most of those jurisdictions is that for those who are incarcerated, how do you know that you have the ability to modify? We live in a techno-info era where every prison system in America, county, state, or federal, should have access to databases that connects inmates to state agency records in that it would allow for those who have child support orders and or open court cases to follow them. PACES is not set up to do that. And that is only available in the federal system. Where you are incarcerated in a county or a state facility and you don't have any access to that type of information, and where you may have resided at a particular address at the time of your arrest, you no longer reside there, that mail goes back, maybe, or maybe it continues to build up in that mailbox to where the post people either choose to discard it or someone else who lives there gets it and discards it. And you never, ever know about court dates or hearings, the opportunity to be heard, You don't know your rights regarding a production order that can allow for you to physically be brought to court to answer to such questions, including but not limited to child support, custody issues, termination of parental rights, adoption. Just because an individual has made a poor judgment that has resulted in him or her in some regards, being subject to the penal system, we don't just throw them away and feel like you have no rights at all. And this is particularly indicative of fathers. And this is even more prevalent if you're minority or poor. And the commonality for all of them, notwithstanding their race, is their social and economic status. Poor, lack of knowledge indigent and incarcerated. And so before the Supreme Court of the United States is a case for father's rights. It is a case that allows for the examination of what needs to be done to break the cycle of continued arrest and incarceration and contempt proceedings for individual men, particularly, who are incarcerated on unrelated charges and offenses who are not capable of paying child support during their incarceration, 
not because they refuse, but because of inability. And the inability is because they do not have income nor the ability to make money during their incarceration. The Supreme Court in Turner and in several other cases have not spoken to this particular issue. It is a matter of public concern. And so before the Supreme Court of the United States is the Heard versus the Georgia Department of Human Resources, and that is a case that anyone who claims to be a father's rights advocate needs to read and, if necessary, needs to brief. Because that is a vicious cycle. It is a newsworthy issue, a matter of public policy and concern, a matter of gravity. And we've reached out to numerous fathers' rights advocates, and do you know not one has taken this issue? And I wonder why. What do you define an issue more important than the rights of fathers who are incarcerated and cannot pay child support? And the minute they step out of that prison gate, they're rearrested. If that's not a father's rights issue, what is? If that's not a humanitarian human rights issue, what is? That you create this revolving door where there become no opportunity for reentry into society. Set aside the mental, emotional, and psychological things that this individual must be having to process in that journey, that drive of not knowing where they're being taken, not knowing what they're now being accused of, and then 72 hours of still not having any idea. And even if it could have been argued that the warrant slipped through the system, as the old folks say in the church in the South, the devil is a liar, because we're in an info techno era. And when that warrant popped up in that system, somebody should have known. But it's bigger than that, because we've got dozens of people who have come forward to say, no, that happened to me. I served a five-year bid. I did a dime. I did this. I did that. I did the third. I couldn't even get back on debt good before I was hemmed back up again. And we've even read some information by the Marshall Project. We shared this with them. They've done nothing with it, though. And so I say this. Whether it's Sherry Jefferson or the fly on the wall or the ant that's crawling or the caterpillar that hasn't yet morphed into a butterfly, it's never about Sherry Jefferson because I don't have no dues that owe no child support. I don't have sons in the system. What I do is to help you and yours, and I don't get paid a dime to do it. This is strictly pro bono under my father's rights advocacy because as one who also advocates for juveniles and children, one that also advocates, and when I use the definition juveniles, I mean a specific age group, particularly our adolescents, but also our children are included under a separate bracket. I like to point that out because often when we hear juveniles, we think of bad kids. And sometimes we have to be careful how we use that term. But nevertheless, whether it's through the AAJJP project or through Female Not Female, the one common factor that adversely impacts these children, regardless of their race, when you look at the bigger scheme of things, is the lack of a father, male role model in that home. 
And while there are a lot of women who believe you can do it, you can't. And if anybody's true to form, this feminism and all of this other nonsense that people are speaking, I don't agree with it. Female not female is not a feminist platform. It simply says that we're born female, not fee, F-E-E, not for sale. It is strictly used for the platform of educating and advocating on behalf of and in furtherance of protecting victims of sex trafficking. But when we have this mindset that we as women can do it all, we're seeing the manifestations of it all day, every day. You remove God from the household, remove the man from the household, and every time you turn on the television in America, even today as they protest in Boston, even as last week as they protested in Charlottesville, you can always find those who are broken. You can always find those who missed something. And that void was filled with hate. Be it you call it the alt-right, be it you call it gang violence, the voids, the voids are still the same. The need to belong, the need to connect, the need to be accepted. Why? And it usually stems back to a childhood where somewhere along the line you experienced some form of victimization, where somewhere along the line you may not have experienced had you had a void in your life fulfilled. And most of the time we find with our youth, the void is lack of fathers in that household and the lack of love and affection from the fathers who are there who did not get it on their own. We basically reduce fathers in America to nothing more than a paycheck. And we, America, are paying the price for it every single day. Remove God, remove the Godhead as in the father, and you have women left to bear this world on their own. And while there are so many who want to talk the talk and walk the walk, we got this. You just don't need to go any further than the black community to see just how much they don't have it and step into a lot of pockets of rural America where white kids live, and you'll see mothers don't have it. The problems that we see in America is sort of contradictory because while men are empowered, there isn't enough being done to give the fathers rights that they need to empower and be heads of their household. And if you study from a sociological perspective, countries like Latin America and even the African continent or the Muslim cultures, you will find that it is only in the Euro-Anglo-Saxon culture where we give women that much power, authority, and dominion. And you can see the manifestations of the outcomes thereof. You look at the crime in Muslim countries, Arabic worlds, you look at it in African continent, and you look at it in Latin. You look at the role of those male figures there. And I know there are a lot of women who say, well, that's because they suppress women's rights and they do this and they do that. You either have a glass half empty or half full. To the point of father's rights, in this country, they are almost non-existent. And we're paying the price every single day that we continue to enact legislation, to engage in actions that remove father and male figures from the lives of boys and girls in this country. We see it in the public school systems that are predominantly female-oriented, and we see the manifestations of what happens to our children. We see the direction. We have to be willing and amenable to striking balances. 
And we can't say to indigent, non-custodial father figures that you are insignificant, that you do not matter in the life of your child. We can't say to those who are incarcerated that you are nothing more than a paycheck. And as much as we take time to put together paperwork to drag men into court and determine how much, if at all, they should be paying for child support and they should be responsible for their seats, we ought to, in the very same proceedings, immediately have an added document that spells out terms of parenting time, automatically does legitimation, which automatically, therefore, then allows for legal rights, custody, and decision-making. We don't do that. And we continue to allow for and force these fathers to return back to court over and over again, knowing many of them, due to their indigency status, will not have time, money, nor resources to secure the legal services that they need to get the rights to simply be more than a paycheck. If you are a father's rights advocate, please review the Supreme Court of the United States case, Heard versus the Georgia Department of Human Services, and do whatever you can in your state and on that level to advance that issue. Precedent needs to be set. Changes need to be forthcoming, and we need to be able to do it together. Thank you for joining me today. Father's rights. Fathers are more than a paycheck. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.